is Australia. This fucking language. Let there be a thousand blossoms bloom as far as I'm concerned. But I ain't spending any time on it. Don't stop wearing the Speedos. You're listening to Decode, the Batuta Advocates podcast series for those Australians who have tuned out or never tuned in to the dark arts of federal politics. It's called being, you wouldn't believe it, a goddamn bloody adult. Well, welcome back to Decode, uh, Batuta Advocates' new podcast series aimed at decoding all of the waffle and jargon that we hear coming out of Canberra and out of the think tanks and all of these policy institutes and of all these newspapers uh, that kind of struggled over the last couple of years in remaining accessible to normal Australians. We had a good run leading into the election. We had about 15 interviews, didn't we, Wendell? Yeah, yeah. They were lining them up week to week. It was good. There was one, I guess you could say, golden goose that we couldn't get in contact with leading into the election. Some say she was playing it a bit safe. Others say she just had more important things to do. But today she's decided, you know, the dust has settled on the federal election. She's doubled up. There's now uh, there's now two of them. Jackie Lambie, thank you for joining us. And Tammy Terrell, thank you for joining us as well. Are you guys still pissy because we wouldn't talk to you before the election? Honestly, you need to know the guy. You were prioritising Tasmanians over a small regional newspaper up here in central western Queensland. It's going to get no, it's going to get worse, mate. The Prime Minister's taking all my bloody advisors off me. I'll tell you, wait to see what's <laughs> we do want to talk about that, but before getting into it, this new political force coming out of Tasmania, the Lambie Network, Tammy Tyrrell's joined you in the Senate. And I just wanted to ask, Tammy, from what I can gather, you don't seem to have attended a prestigious college at a Sandstone University. You don't seem to have a dad or an uncle or a grandfather who was a Premier of Tasmania or was in Canberra in federal politics before and you didn't seem to climb the ranks at, you know, one of the major law firms in Sydney or Melbourne. So can you tell us how you got into politics, how you found your way in? Yeah, how did you get into politics without having all that? I'm your SMA. I met this batshit crazy girl about eight years ago <laughs> and it all went to hell. <laughs> I didn't go to college. I went to the School of Hard Knocks at Alvey High School. Mm-hmm. You know what? Grade 7 through to Year 10. Then I went to Don College and apparently I was in the cool common room. You know how there's a cool part and there's a shit part? Mm-hmm. I thought I was the shit part, but apparently not. Apparently not. You know what? She was in the shit part because I was in the cool part and she wasn't the Oh, you were not. You were in the shit part. We went to the same college. <laughs> I just never went. Well, actually, no, I was registered, but there's a difference actually attending. The attending bit was never good with me. Some might say having a career outside of politics, doing a few different things, having a little bit of a different um, path to Canberra than some of our more traditional politicians in the Liberal and the Labor Party is probably a good thing in a representative democracy. What what did drive you to politics? How did you how did you find your way in other than bumping into the batshit crazy woman, <laughs> your words, not mine, uh, sitting next to you? Oh, she'll be batshit crazy forever. Don't worry about that. Oh, look, pretty much everything I've done in this life has been with real people in real time, all the way from packs weeding the weeds and digging carrots and spuds on a potato harvest or even manually. And then I worked in um, an education place where apprentices, trainees, dealing with kids, mums, dads, helping them get a better life. Local government, mm. never working local government, it's crazy. Um, and employment services. So I've always dealt with people on a very down-to-earth level. 
And she's danced on pool tables. I have danced on pool. No. <laughs> oh, that was rude. That was rude. <laughs> I've been panned a few times. I'm that girl that runs from the eight ball table and hides in the toilet. Okay. Yeah, yeah well, um, you know, these are skills that we need in Canberra and these are insights and perspectives that we need down there. You're right. You know, people dancing on pool tables and bars, mate. I yeah, mean, yeah. that's where your character grows. Yeah. In all honesty, we're very down to earth. We're very grassroots. And that's what we're going to bring to Parliament House for two of us because if we're not saying what the people here in Tassie want, they're going to tell us. Like Uncle Dickie, he'll tell us. Mm. Your mum, Susie, she'll definitely tell us. Like, she's the one that keeps us in line. But everything I've done in real life brought me towards, okay, if I want to make a difference, if I want to make a change and make sure that mums and dads and kids in the local community actually are heard in their voice. She's pretty loud, but you know what? I'll be the backup singer and I'll make sure that we're twice as loud. It's a completely different path you're going in. As much as it's, uh, you know, you're two very similar kind of characters, and um, what I assume you guys have two very similar sets of beliefs coming from the similar part of the world. You've had to go down a very different path, Jackie. The last time we met was on the lawns of Parliament House. Tony Abbott was still Prime Minister, your great mate. And we were having a little chit-chat because it was the day of the first Liberal spill. We've had, I don't know how many leaders since then. And at that point, you were effectively, you, you were on your own. You are kind of making inroads towards what we have now, which is the Lambie Network. But you kind of entered the frame as a part of this super villainous kind of empire of Clive Palmer and, and his merry gang of conspiracists and all these other kind of, you know, lunatics. But it became very clear early on that you were the real deal. Um, the voters at least told you that several times. I want to know more about your your journey, Jackie. I mean, aside from being sacked by the high court because you didn't know you were a pom, you've managed to level out because you came in in a very different circumstance to the woman sitting next to you. You kind of came in in this uh, this big yellow wave. How have you been able to manage in that role and, and to become Jackie Lambie uh, as opposed to becoming a senator that, um, you know, came through with all this yellow? Um, I think, um, you know, as I've been able to go along, I've just uh, worked it out to a certain degree. I've, you know, if you don't start start with the right advisors to start with, that can lead you into trouble. Um, so you've got to be really careful on the people who are around you, who you pick to work around you, make sure they're like-minded as well. And yeah, it was a bit of a shit losing my um, seat for 20 months. Got to love the Queen for that. And I'd love to hear her not ties to the Queen anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm a big one behind the Republic push, mate. That's what happens when you piss me off. <laughs> from day one apart from I've become less of a wrecking ball. Yep. Oh, some days. Yeah, some days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm able to hide it a little bit under the under the radar, mate. That's that's what I'll be good at. So um yeah, so not much has happened and then you know I come in single and I'm still bloody single mate. So I don't know about this whole political life but honestly I might as well just get well, there's, oh, a, there's a man drought in Canberra. Everyone knows that. There's a man drought down there. Yeah, but we're not in Canberra, man. Like, 
Oh, I don't think there's a Mandrat in Tassie. Plenty of good blokes down there. Uh, what was his name? Uh, Lighthouse Hotel. Lighthouse Hotel. I'm not going to say anything about those two. I love all of them. Yeah. They're not bad. They're down on it. They're hotties. They're hotties. <laughs> Tammy, it is different for you, Senator Tammy Tyrrell. I should clarify. Yeah, don't call me that. Yeah, sorry. It is. It, it's it's different for you because you've got Jackie alongside you. She's not above you, not what? below you, by the looks of things. But I don't she, know. She's, she's taken the knocks, and uh, and she can offer you some advice. I kind of want to talk, Jackie. Do you remember a time when people were exploiting you? You know, you were new, you were green. There were people that were leading you in certain directions just because you hadn't learnt the ropes at that point? Yeah, I think so. And that's what bothers me about the teals, about them not having enough advisors. Yep. You know, so it has been a really awful experience for me and the staff that have been in here, especially the last five years. So, I've been in the last eight. So. You, know, um, you know, and I mean, Tammy's been through everything that I've been yeah. through. I'm not even having the title, but you know, she's, she's been the one that's walked walk beside me like the other staff. Um, so they know the good, the bad, and how it all works. Um, so really, mate, she's she's got an easy run. Seriously, I mean, I've given her the easiest run. I mean, what more does she want from me? Trust me, she's a crash test dummy. So everything she's done, I've actually had experience along with her. And like, clean up, yeah, clean up, clean up. Oh, Jackie Lambie, nice. But yeah, honest to God, she, she's actually a really cool chick to work with, and she's a cool chick for life. So even on our worst days, we always see the sunshine at the end of it. And so, you know what? There's always a glass of wine to be had or a bit of cheese. So um, we, we shouldn't be keeping an eye out for a uh, Tyrrell Network or a Tyrrell United yeah, are party. You, <laughs> are you going to pull a Lambie no, on Lambie? No. I've, got, I've said she's stuck with me until she freaking decides not to be a politician, but then she'll still be stuck with me outside of. She's my sister from a different mister, yep. which is mm. a very tough thing to do. Yep. Yeah, she's I did want to ask about when you first got to Canberra, and this leads into advice for Tammy. What were some of the biggest things that kind of shocked you about the people getting around and the way everything worked? Like, what was it that you got there and you're just like, fuck, these guys are ruthless, or this is this is kind of what happens, or well, obviously the fast-paced nature of everything, but what were the, some of the biggest shocks? These people are wildly underwhelming, and these people are detached from reality, and these people are living, breathing morons. And we- these people don't know how to have a conversation with an ordinary person. Any feelings like that? Yeah. I, I think for me it wasn't – I seen it in the armed forces. You see the, the split between the actual diggers and the officers. So it was very similar. You know, they walk around with their head up their ass, and I'll be honest with you, that's why they're in such a different way, the military, um, is the leadership that they've got in there. Oh, so when you see military. the bad leadership that's going on in there, you see the shit leadership going on in Parliament – Mm. I think what blew me away more than anything was, mate, how fucking hard is it to come to a conclusion and put it into action? <laughs> I have never seen a business business like that. You would be bloody bankrupt. Yep. This is the problem, and it drives me nuts. Yep. Seriously, how long does it take to, take to get something done? I mean, it's, it's an interesting one because you're, you're talking about that comparison to the top brass of the military there. But a lot of the top brass in the military still had to be a digger at some point. Where does the detachment come from, do you think? Oh, no, not, not, not a lot of it, mate. You're very lucky if you come through a digger. There are, there are one in occasion to come through a digger, and they're usually your best officers. Yep. Most of them go through RMC or ADFA, the Australian Defence Force Academy, and we're the only ones that do that in the Western world, the Australian Defence Force Academy. And just so I'll put that out there now, I'm coming to shut it down. Because <laughs> I believe Yeah, and this will come out of the RMC um, Royal Commission because every... Person should be going through Kapuka as a digger, and you can determine over the next two to five years who your leaders are out of that pack. 
and that's how it should be done the very best the best not bloody all boys people all these kids coming from all boys schools mm-hmm. okay. all girls schools where their mum and dad can pay for their bloody um can go out there and pay for their education and the rest that's who the military is picking up you won't see people coming from housing commission because mm-hmm. we're not good enough to go to adfa that's and do you reckon that gives you a 10-year kind of, um, I mean, if you were to make it as an officer coming from Kapuka, that would put you 10 years behind your uh, more kind of privileged contemporaries? I think that that would show the privileged contemporaries um, exactly where they belong in the bundle of things or in the line of succession, and they should be right at the bottom. Everything's always been passed to them on a silver spoon. I want leaders who have earned their way to the top. That's what I want to see, and that's what I see in Australian politics as well. Mm. Tammy, I w- want to ask, Jackie's obviously got a lot of uh, a lot of interest in the veteran affairs and, and the military. Have you had a similar experience with the ADF, or if not, what would be your thing from, you know, that you've worked in outside of politics and kind of want to run the ball up for? Yeah, look, Jackie's got the, the clear running on defence stuff. My sister was Navy. She was in there for quite a few years, and trust me, I'm not, I'm not regimental enough to ever join a Joker force, Army, Navy, RAF, nah, not me. Look, in all honesty, I'm more about social policy, Mm -hmm. uh, health, education, housing, um, all that kind of stuff because that's where I've come from. That's where I've worked. That's that's who I talk to on the street every day. Like we've got some people on the main street here in Burnie that they're out there drinking their VB long necks, you know, in a brown paper bag, my jeep's in the lab australia and they're drug affected they've got their kids they've got their trolleys with their homeless packs and backpacks and tents that's what i would like to try and address more into the future and i know that there's some good policy out there about to kick into gear but i'm there to shake it up and make sure that it is good and that there's no unintended consequences we talk about uh solutions jackie you're talking come, come to a solution and and act on it you seem to have some ideas for the Defence Force, which is abolish the academy, which creates all of these silver spoon toffs that are running the thing into the ground. Tammy, what do you think in terms of social policy, what's something that you can identify right in front of you now that if was brought into action tomorrow would vastly change the lives of the people out in the street in Burnie? Mm. Housing's a big one, and that's across the country, I think. Um, I've heard that other states and territories are having the same problem. But we've got like four and a half thousand that are homeless at the moment living in cars and living under highways, overpasses. And to me, if you've got a house, you've got somewhere to build your family, you've got somewhere you can have a job, where you can get educated, where you can move forward and, you know, build your own little world. Um, if you've got nowhere to call home, you've got nothing. I think I think what really annoys me more than anything, guys, about that is you can have detention centres set up and you yeah. can have quarantine set up in a matter of months, but we can't seem to be able to set that sort of quality housing, even if it's only short term for emergency, um, in those same packs. And you know, if there is quarantine that's been shut down, why aren't we using that? Why were we able to, you know, put people in during the winter that were homeless into motels and hotels and be able to book those hotels out? You know, why can't we do that again if there's other if there are other areas in Australia which their hotel occupancy is not going up? We're not looking at the right solutions and I think they're sitting there right in front of us. But there's even like um situations here in Tassie where we've got like um the fruit pickers, backpackers. They've got like um little like caravan parks that they're dongers. And they're really cool. They've got like communal kitchens, social areas where there's couches and stuff. They've got their own little piece of turf and they're looked after really, really well. Uh, why can't we do something like that? The thing that strikes me about that sort of stuff is there doesn't seem to be a huge political will from the major parties to do stuff about that. 
Jackie, you have spent the last few years down there in Canberra going at stuff and going at stuff. What are some of the methods that you'd look to use or, or ways to just continue to push on these issues and just keep going and keep going and keep going? And how do you do that? How do you just go, we're sticking on this and we're just going to keep going and going? I think if there's one thing that we're very good at, because we're so limited with staffing and, and we're so small, is we're really good at selling. Mm-hmm. We're really good at uh, we're a bit like you guys. That social media means everything to me mm-hmm. because we don't take those big political donations from unions or corporates. We take them from everyday people. And I think the most that we've ever got is a cheque for three grand, and that was a one-off. Most of them are just on average twenty-seven bucks or yeah. something. Yeah. You've got nearly three quarters of a million people across your social media. That is what you use, um, and being basically smashing them. We've got to smash them to make any to smash common sense into them. Mm. And as draining and psychologically draining as that is, and at times it can be, um, if you smack them down enough, what you will notice about these politicians, they, they one of their biggest weaknesses is their resilience. They don't have a lot of it. So they'll only take, take so much for smack down. Once you've smacked them a couple of times down, they get going down. They start to shake them. They go, we really, this is not working. Resisting the smackdown looks too much like hard work after a little while. Yeah, yeah, I love it, mate. There's nothing better than coming out and putting all that work in and saying, I told you you'd lose. You should have just folded three weeks ago, you bastards. It's political so, wrestling, isn't it? Yeah, it is political wrestling. And uh, unfortunately, um, the white makes just, I don't have one of those in my corner. No. So I ain't putting it up. Well, you've survived, Jackie, too. You've survived a lot of governments. In fact, a lot of people that thought they'd be there forever. I mean, the former Prime Minister Scott Morrison thought he was eventually going to, you know, become the President of Australia and just stay there forever. He was born for that position. Can you tell us now, because you have survived so many people and uh, you don't have to worry about working with a lot of them anymore, can you give us some examples of uh, certain uh, politicians that you may have just played into your hands? Um, well, I think after having that, getting that Royal Commission for Veterans Affairs, you know, I think that just goes to show if you can get public perception with you behind you, um, and it is a great cause, that they'll feel that pressure and they will fold. Mm-hmm. I do say maybe spend less time praying to God and actually getting out there and getting the job on and, and stop worrying about the whole faith thing and actually stop relying on that and, because the only person that's going to make it happen and for you to achieve anything is yourself. Mm-hmm. Go out there and get it. The Liberal Party got absolutely flogged the last election. Labor didn't win by much, but they won. And the Liberals bled out in places uh, in the end. It wasn't just Labor taking it from the Liberals. It was uh, it was the Greens and the Teals. You've got a very different landscape now. You mentioned just before too that the, the Teals do worry you because they're a bit green and not politically green. They're a bit fresh and they don't have much support. And, and I would also say this is a lot of the new independents that have come through have come from very high-powered corporate positions where they're used to being able to tell someone to put their stuff in a box and get out. They're not familiar with negotiating. They're not familiar with compromise. And they're not familiar with basically working with people. What do you think is going to come of all of this? Um, I think it'll be very interesting. Thing is, all the teals are down in the bottom house at the moment and the lower house. So and because they don't have that balance of power, you're probably not going to see all the performances coming out of them until they can find their feet because it takes about 12 months to actually find your feet properly. So it'll be just very interesting how they play out in the next 12 to 18 months. I will say this to the Teals. The independents like me, we can start there and we can try and shift things and get people to vote independence. But basically there's so many of you down there. I, I believe that the next election is going to be based on their performance. Mm-hmm. If they perform well, then we'll be able to knock the majors around a little bit more and be able to take more seats and put more independence in there. But they, I'm not being mean to them at all, but the, their performance radar is looking right on them. 
Mm-hmm. And if they're not, they're not going to pick up their game and show that independents can do this and do it well, then it's going to make it really difficult to win more seats for those people. Yeah, them. make it or break it. So I guess because we're not two as a Jackie Lambie that stands on its own name is slightly a little bit different and we will keep belting it out there and making sure that we're getting runs on the boards, but they're going to have to do the same thing. And unfortunately, when you don't have a lot of stuff, that's going to make their jobs even more difficult. The days are saying, please bring me up a cup of tea and the scone are over for them um, and their corporate days are over and they're going to have to work their asses off. <laughs> and that's the truth of that. Do you guys, is there a bit of a WhatsApp chat going? Is there a group with the different independents? Do you guys meet to kind of talk about stuff? How, how are there kind between you guys and the Teals and uh, the Greens and Pauline? And- yeah, I think when the Teals first come on, I, I think they found it a little bit difficult. They didn't realise they actually don't really actually have a lot to do with the upper house. So, and it takes you a little bit to realise that. So my focus has been on making sure that people like Clive Palmer I'm talking to openly as I have. Um, a year or so after I left him, I've made sure I've worked on that relationship to regain that, which has now been now paying twofold. Uh, people like David Pocock, uh, things, people like that. I don't have a good relationship with One Nation, I never have. But it's it's doing all that, making sure those relationships are already there, are cemented in. You know, I have been speaking to the tours over the last three or four weeks as much as I possibly can. Uh, we've been trying to, you know, just advise them, tell them because they've got no idea. Um, nobody's giving them any direction from the Labor Party, which has been quite dreadful on their behalf, even to the point of no staffing, where their offices are, what they're doing. So they are le- the Labor Party, and I'll call them out for it, is actually put the tills out there to hang out to dry. That's exactly what I say to the tills. Stand your bloody, stand your ground and don't move on the bastards because sooner or later they're going to want something. You just keep doing what you're doing, but you know what, you'll come back to bite Labor on the ass. They're, they're frightened. They seem very frightened. Where are we up to in terms of staffing negotiations and that sort of stuff with the Labor Party? Well, I think we've all had a go. I believe there is a crossbench. I believe that's the lower house crossbench going to speak to if rumours tells me right tomorrow to Albanese. But quite frankly, it's. I mean, we've lost staff now because mm. our own staff had to go and find jobs. So even if we do get reinstated back um, one or two of our staff advisors, it's just going to make it really, really difficult, which means that... Whatever you bring up that second week, don't expect me to vote on it because I won't be voting on it because I just, until I can see people to to and against, you know, we just cannot vote on it. So any corporates that have been trying to see the Lambies, any unions that have been trying to see the Lambies, unless you are Tasmanian-based or you are a veteran, we have had to knock you out. I'm sorry, but if you've got shit you need to talk to us about, you better send it on paper because I don't have any advisors. That's where Tammy and I are at. I've got more less staff now than what I had, what, um, I had to, when I first came yeah. in with two senators. That's where I'm at. Mm. The Parliament House, you're going to have Jackie, or we're going to have one advisor in us. So basically we can't answer the phones, we can't answer emails. When the bells go, we've got to bolt and hope to Christ that our advisor knows exactly where we're yeah. at and what's been happening so that they can brief us and bolt to the chamber. And in my case, I'm sitting on the green carpet because they had no room Senate side and the first bell goes for four minutes. I've got three and a half minutes somebody's timed for me to get from my from the lower house side to the Senate chamber. And I'm a short, dumpy, short-legged lady. Right? Don't get me wrong, I like me. But the man who timed it was six foot four and really long legs. And you know what? He's promised that if I stop slide through the hall into the doorways, he'll hold it open for me. 
<laughs> I have to hold him to it. Is the default position then just going to be, I'm sorry, we can't vote with the government on this legislation because we just haven't had the appropriate amount of time to read it. We don't have a team to go through this. Our stand on this has always been the same. If you rush legislation through, if you give us one of those shitty omnibuses where you put 20 pieces of legislation in it um, and you're giving it to me the day beforehand, I'm not voting for it because there's just no way in hell. I just kind of find it really difficult in trying to have one advisor, basically two advisors between the two of us that's to do everything from media to ledge to moves on the floor everything else and then trying to see people for and against any piece of legislation that comes through is really going to um, hold us back and it's going to be extremely time consuming this is going to be our problem and i've never ever voted for something unless i'm 100 percent sure that i've been given every piece of information i possibly can to make the right decision but if it's important enough for them to want it to go to a vote they'll sure give it to us in good time if they can sleep the day before, it's not that we won't vote for it. It's just that we don't have time to look at it properly. I'll say this to the Labor Party. If you start doing the same shit on the student and giving up to that, giving us that legislative reform on the Thursday, and you want us to vote for it on the Monday, you've got absolute bucklers. <laughs> well, they'll be hearing it. They, they do listen into this one. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they'll be tuned in and they'll be taking um, your advice. You're talking about performance radars, the performance of the Teals and, and any other independents, crossbenchers that have come through or independent senators that have come through. All eyes are on them and will be for the next four years because that's basically all they can offer is a performance. They can't offer anything else. They don't have a party that can deliver things outside of them. Jackie, a lot of the things you're talking about now, unfortunately, you've had to be talking about your your entire time in Canberra. You know, I mean, a lot of, some things haven't changed, but I kind of want to talk about your own performance where do you feel you've seen and and what can you see that you've changed in this country and in your community that you you know what what are you proud of what are some tangible things that we can point to that weren't in place before Jackie Lambie came along I think the biggest my biggest personal personal achievement um is being people watching me to say my god when you first come out you're all like a wrecking ball that's putting up politely but you know in giving me a fair go especially tasmanians in watching me grow during that period of time where you know people come up to me now and say you know what my god when you first come out you're just bloody hopeless and when you're like you know you're now like a tasman cleaner you just keep getting better with time you know so <laughs> yeah so you know you just keep getting better with time you know pop the cork so I think that people see, I hope that encourages people out there that just because you're not educated and just because you don't believe that is where you belong, that's absolute bullshit. You might want to have a look and think that most of them probably don't belong yeah. up there and it's actually a normal person that should be up there taking a vote, not someone that spent their whole life being kissed on the ass and doesn't know what a tea towel is because that's bottom line what you've got up there. You've also broken politics down on a really down-to-earth level too. Like most people don't understand politics. Yeah. But if you go out street they know who jackie is and where she sits mm-hmm. and what she's up and most people you know before jackie got in didn't understand what the lower house was what the upper house was mm-hmm. they did yeah and i think the other thing is people have too that there's a voice up there that's not constrained by anything that you can actually you can build them yep. and you know people like that. if they said if i went to say what have i achieved they'll say oh, the veterans and something to do with the housing because a lot of people don't understand that, but what they love me for is I just don't take any of their crap and I'm up there and I'm building them every single step of the way. And I don't do that because I like it. I do that because they deserve it, yeah. because that is what, they need to, not what needs to be done. You, you say that veterans can come in um, and they speak to you and that's the way it's worked ever since you came through. 
Can you tell us an example of someone, you know, one quiet afternoon in Burnie, someone came in, you know, not necessarily someone with a background in defence, but someone came in, one of your constituents came in and said something to you and you were able to then take that straight there? Yeah, so whether we can, we can do a lot of constituency work down in, in this office because I've had the same people in those positions for like since I started. So they, these are the guys that have got back doors, whether it's going straight to the Veterans Affairs um, Assistant Commissioner down here, whether it's going to housing, whether it's going to Centrelink. You have those backdoor relationships and you can usually find you can resolve things pretty quickly from this office. It'll just take a phone call. And it's usually a breakdown because if you're looking at veterans or people that are homeless or people that are knocking at the door at Centrelink, they're on their last legs. They've had enough. There's no trust. They're angry at life, all that sort of thing. They're hurting and, and all the rest. And sometimes they can't get that through to those people in those departments. Whereas, you know, I guess because of all the life experiences that we have in this office, we can go, mate, I know what you're talking about and this is what's happened. So there's usually a piece of the puzzle that's been missing. We can put that back in and fix it. So we are pretty known for that around Tasmania, especially with constituency work. I just wanted to ask on the you're talking about getting up there and and belting the parties and saying what you you want to say. One of the most notable moments out of the last couple of years was one of your speeches to the Senate in regards to vaccines. That was a moment that kind of really catalyzed a lot of public sentiment. A lot of people around the country were you know sharing the shit out of it. <laughs> What was the blowback from all of that? There was a lot of positives, but in terms of what <laughs> came after that, yeah. there's um, one group in our community who are quite full on and vocal in their opinions, and that is anti-vaxxers. What what happened for the? I mean, maybe it's still happening, but what was the blowback from that speech? Did you get accused of being in uh, in cahoots with Bill Gates or anything like that? Um, no, I, I do. I do love that the anti-vaxxers. When it comes to anti-vaxxers, it's okay not to be vaccinated. But we, when, when we, we want to have our right now, say apparently that's not allowed. But it's all about freedoms. That makes me laugh my ass off. Just quite, you know, don't judge me for being vaccinated. critical from them. That is my choice. Don't you go out there belting me for it. I don't go there belting. I wanted to see you to grow up and be an adult. No, sorry. I think for me, yeah, it was really um, it was a bit argy bargy out there on the uh, out there on the ground no, after that. Thousands uh, of emails coming. Through. Thousands of emails no. where my poor staff. Um, this is how cowardly they are, you people out there. If you want to be a, a keyboard warrior, be my guest. But go and send your shit elsewhere because, quite frankly, abusing my staff is disgusting. It just goes to show like life lines. physical bodily harm. Yeah, all that yeah. Launceston and um, this group started hurling abuse at us as we were dressed all in pink for a cancer fun run. And it's like, what that like, language and physical threats at a fun run? At a fun run. For, at yeah. a fun run. I mean, it's, and the thing was, a lot of people were avoiding that conversation because they didn't want to deal with these tough conversations to have. And it seemed, sounds like, it felt like you were the first one um, to kind of epitomise how a lot more people were feeling about this. You know, there, there is your rights and your freedoms. and But at that point, everyone was just sick of it, sick of the whinging and sick of the uh, abuse. So, you know, Jackie, you had to carry that. Now you have Tammy to share the load. She can... Yeah, I'll be a contact bloody adult as well. Is that what yeah, you can, you can jump on a grenade uh, here and there too, Tammy. But Jackie, another thing that I noticed after the election of all the different analysis and all of the feedback and all the chit-chat... The front page of the Koori Mail, based in Lismore, Australia's number one Aboriginal-owned newspaper, had you listed 
Uh, and, and I did know you are uh, proud of your Indigenous background and you're not just Scottish, but uh, <laughs> you are now what appears to be some sort of a black caucus within Parliament House, you know, where there are all of these different communities and the largest number of elected Aboriginal politicians. Have you found yourself working in that with that community as well? Look, you can call it, you can call it black caucus if you like. I've been impressed with the black caucus since I've been in there. First of all, there was only four, then there was five. Um, because you've got Liberal and Labor in there, they have different opinions on where that should go. There's a couple more up there now. It just seems that every time we start this in the new beginning of Parliament, it exhausts. It just seems to go wayside. I don't think that's intentional. It's just that there's so much else on the agenda. I do know that, you know, the, the constitutional rights and whether that will be put more on the agenda in the next few years, I'm not 100%. I think because we lack in staff and I have left it to the other Indigenous members there, I just sort of sit at the back there, um, especially the ones from the Northern Territory, the ones that have been very heavily involved in that most of their lives. I allow them to sort of run with that. But I think for us it's more veterans in Tasmania and we're pretty much exhausted, so it doesn't leave me a lot of thought for the Indigenous brothers and sisters out there, unfortunately. But there are other Indigenous members out there that really got their teeth wrapped in this and I'm certainly there standing um, beside them to support them. But they um, they know this area better than what I do. They're born and bred into this. You know, I could grow up in housing, most of people around me were white, that sort of thing. They've got a much better idea, so I just uh, appreciate them and I respect them. Um, it's not, a, not, I just do not have energy or what is left to spend a lot of time in that area which is really unfortunate but to do that means I've got to give up veterans and I'm just not prepared that that was one of the things I ran in I ran on two things in 2013 that was to stand up for Tasmanians and veterans I've kept my word and my honour in that area in those areas and I'll continue to do so but it just doesn't leave me much room to move elsewhere mate that's the problem they all know your name I mean you run into diggers we're not long ago on the Gold Coast speaking to a couple of blokes who'd served and they were all talking about Jackie and they were talking about the trouble they were having with the, the VA and, and they all know that there's a phone number they can call, be that you. And in Queensland, a lot of people would would look to Bob Carter, but he doesn't seem to be as involved as you are in, in all of this. Tell me about that. That is a job in itself. That is it. We, we've spoken about, you know, throughout the course of this interview, we've spoken about the different kind of uh, strains and the different kind of workloads you have to pick up running the ball up for Veteran Affairs and the ADF in general. But... That's a lot of people. You know, we're talking about three blokes sitting in a pub on the Gold Coast. All of them know that they, well, they basically would have your phone number, your office phone number. How much of your time is, is if you allowed it, could this be a full-time job? Um, yeah, it is a full-time job. So one of our EO staff, we don't get extra staffing for this. She's, she's on uh, veterans full-time and then you've got me following her. And then we've also got, well, we're down to two advisors now, but... We were using basically a sole advisor for that. I don't understand. I, I don't think this is where Labor doesn't understand. This is really where it's going to hurt us. Um, is it just a, how far behind they are? You know, anything for a gardener or a cleaner is now they're not paying their bills, so they're losing them. They can't get in to see psychiatrists for nine to ten months. Um, I am grateful that my number was out there everywhere and I had to change that before Christmas time, not because of the veterans whatsoever, but I have to say it's just it won't take long before this new number gets out amongst them. But taking phone calls at midnight, um, people on suicide watch, not just me, but the person that's doing that veterans job in here is really, and I don't do not blame them at all, it is really starting to push our office to the limits that has done for quite some time. I 
I get to speak at the Royal Commission in two weeks' time. It's my turn for three hours. I'll have a lot to say about that. He's put a lot of strain in this office, but, you know, we just refuse to give it up, mate, because there's nowhere else for those diggers to go. I've been really lucky. I don't think anybody that's ever rang, and we've had over 1,200 in three years, and they're the worst of the worst come to this office. We haven't lost one yet, thank goodness. But I can tell you it's nothing for me to spend weekends talking to people talking them around, see if I can get them help straight away. And the same with the other EI staff member that's in here doing the same thing. It's actually overkill for us in here. But, you know, until the majors realise just how much work, and I'm sure they will in the next few weeks, that this office does with those veterans, they may want to look at actually helping us triage in this office because basically they come here now because they can't get through the Veterans Affairs and that is not getting any better. Even though the Royal Commission is running, it seems to me Defence and Veterans Veterans Affairs have got even worse. Their behaviour is disgraceful. Why is this so difficult? That's what I want to ask. You're on the ground. You're dealing with this. Why is this so difficult? We have a government at any given time, as long as anyone can remember, probably went a bit shy back in the day. But since Howard, I mean, since the bringing them home with the, with the Vietnam veterans, this has been front and centre of our national identity. We've got Remembrance Days. We've got Anzac Day. We've got this. Every politician loves getting photographed, putting a wreath down. They love talking about our poor veterans when they want to talk about something that isn't refugees. You know, we're talking about providing resources for refugees or homeless. They'll say, what about our veterans first? Where's the inaction and how how is this not the easiest thing for them to work on? Because it, it's, it's so much part of their brand and their and our national identity. Well, it's not that difficult. It's only them that's made it difficult. So that's the first thing. The second thing is I think that when you have a revolving door of ministers go through that, it's been seven or eight over 11 and 12 years, and you've got secretaries that are running it. I just don't know if people don't understand this, but you need to know, you know why the lower house ministers don't come up to us in estimates because that's both the major parties so we don't have to question them, we have to question their secretaries and so we can't whack them around as much which I'm going to put up a motion to try and change that because I do not believe the secretaries should be the ones answering the questions, it should be the ministers. If you want a ministry, then you had better know your ministry inside of it, inside out and you better come and ask, answer those goddamn questions at estimates and that's what needs to be done. So um, there's a lot that needs to be done when people are not doing the job up there. If your secretary is not doing a job and you're other commissioners, why are they still sitting there? Why haven't you sacked them? Mm-hmm. You know, why haven't you sacked them? Yep. Well, so, sack them all, I say, Jackie. We should sack no, them all. I agree with you, mate. Not at all. Not at all. Not at all. <laughs> mate, I'm looking for a senator to run next time in Queensland, darling. <laughs> Think about it. All right. You got a big fight on your hands, and there are. Plenty of bastards to go and keep on us. you got to go and get into them. So we will wrap it up there. Just one super quick last question. Actually, uh, big issue, not a lot of action on it. Tasmania, AFL team, what's happening? Oh. Mate, okay. <laughs> I'm going to say this because it's, 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 it's 50 against 54. Uh, one, Tasmania can't afford it. Secondly, we can't even keep a team in the VFL. <laughs> yeah, the football league, state level, and I just wonder how the hell are we going to do that at the next level up? If we haven't even cut and kept the Devils in comp anymore, um, overnight to overnight mean. So yeah. it is it is a lot. To, I will say this, and I want to make sure this is really clear. <laughs> the um, AFL Academy down here for our kids, they do a great job. Oh, they do a really great job trying to get them into the AFL draft. So maybe they could just if they can't afford the AFL team, if they can maybe just put a little bit more money behind that AFL drafting down here for our kids. So it's like um, we infiltrate everywhere. Yeah, I think that that would help. But it's getting our kids in that love the game so much and they, they are a little disadvantaged if they can't come through that VFL and stuff like that. 
Well, as ever, a controversial opinion. Jackie Lambie betraying the entire island of uh, Tasmania by oh, saying we don't need an AFL team. But uh, thank you for thank you for the honest and raw interview, uh, Senator Jackie Lambie, Senator Tammy Tyrrell. We look forward to seeing much more of you with, over the next parliamentary term. Yeah, we'll keep it classy, won't we? <laughs> well, maybe not. Yeah. We'll, talk about, we'll talk about you guys coming over the network shortly. Yeah. See you next yeah. time. <laughs> see you down there. Keep them honest. Bye. See you. Thanks, guys.